MLS Next Pro launched in March and is a professional men's soccer league that completes the player pathway from MLS Next through to MLS First Teams. I'm at the MLS headquarters in New York City, and my guests today are Charles Altchek, the president of MLS Next Pro, and Ali Curtis, the league's senior vice president for competition and operations. Altchek worked in the MLS commissioner's office the last eight years, and you may know Curtis from when he was the chief soccer officer for the New York Red Bulls and Toronto FC. They both starred in NCAA soccer, where Curtis was a two-time national player of the year at Duke, and Altchek was a two-time Ivy League player of the year at Harvard. Guys, congratulations on your new-ish gigs, and thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Grant. Great to uh, be with you today. Thanks for having us. Uh, so after that intro, I feel like I have to ask, have you two ever come into contact on the soccer field together? Uh, funny funny story. We were, uh, I can't remember what year it was. It was either 2014 or 2015. Um, it might have been 2015. We were at the MLS um, summer uh, offsite, staff offsite, and there was a lot of activities going on. And I don't, I don't remember who started it, um, but we had to have a staff game, of course. And I had been told the staff games um, had been uh, canceled uh, years prior because I think there was a time back in, back in the day where the staff games were what the outing was. And it was all about the staff game, and everybody who'd played would bring their cleats and their shin guards and their A games and really get into it. But I guess there were a few hard tackles a few hard challenges that were not acceptable uh, uh, for a staff game and so that that part of history was you know was 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 uh, that was canceled and then we were at the at the barbecue and we got a game going and I I had known Ali from working with him in the office and obviously had known about his career um, at Duke and then uh, in the league and I thought you know this would be a good opportunity for me to to uh, test myself against the best so we were we were barefoot because we were all not prepared for a staff game and we went head to head and we had a good time and I think it was a good bonding moment for the two of us to battle it out on you know this field that we constructed with some shoes and cones and whatever else so that was a good memory your quick recollection of that Ollie I'll go with his story, you know. Yeah. So it, it was a long he, time ago. But, he's being yeah. kind. I think he wants to say, I don't remember that <laughs> at all. So you both have been involved in soccer for a long time. You've been involved uh, with MLS at the league level, at the club level. What went into your decision-making processes to take these jobs that you've now just started? Yeah, so I'll start. You know, I've, I've been working here, as you mentioned in the intro, at the league office now for for eight eight plus years, and I've been very fortunate to work on uh, different projects over 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 that uh, time, mostly around expansion and new teams, new stadiums, new owners, new investor groups, um, but all kind of under the rubric of growing the game and bringing the sport to new communities um, around uh, you know around the U.S. and it's been an unbelievable experience and a really special time for me to be part of that and I've been very grateful for that um, and when we started during the pandemic what happened was is you know we went from meeting with our owners uh, every quarter call it uh, you know formally and then we'd have calls w once a month or whatever else to having zoom meetings every day essentially and most of the meetings were around um, how do we get our 
teams back on the field? How do we get the league launched again? And so there was a lot of work going into getting through the CBA and then getting into the bubble in Orlando. But during those different discussions, we were also talking about the future and looking ahead to the World Cup in 2026. Um, there had been a lot of chatter over the years around starting our own, um, our own uh, second league, our own development league. And the owners and our group that was thinking through that decided there's no better time than now. Let's get organized. We had just um, uh, launched MLS Next, and, and the discussion was if we could launch MLS Next from one week to the next, which is no pun intended, which is what happened in that moment in 2020, we can launch our, our new league in, uh, in 2022. So we started working on that in early 21, and, um, and I was part of that group from the beginning and um, and then when uh, we you know when we when we started figuring out the leadership team for the new league, the first person that I called was Ali. Um, uh, he was in Toronto at the time, and um, and we had worked together at the league office before he left to go run the Red Bulls. And I couldn't think of a and uh, you know my instinct was and so far my instinct was right. I couldn't think of a better person to. Uh, take on this challenge with me and and help launch this league and guide this league in all in all ways and so um, you know for me personally it's it's a um, it's a really special opportunity because I get to continue in so many different ways to grow the game which is what a lot of my work has been around um, and uh, and a lot of a lot of the um, time that Ali and I have spent together over the last number of months beyond just getting the league up and going has been around bringing, you know, the potential to bring soccer to new markets and traveling around meeting with different groups about uh, having independent teams join our league as well. And I'm sure we'll talk more about that. But um, it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun and we're just scratching the surface. We're just getting started here. You know, for me, it, it, it was, it's a little different, but a, a lot of the same. And that, you know, in, in 2019, you know, th now, gosh, three and a half years ago, when I, when I joined Toronto, um, you know, my wife, she works for a company called CAA. She's been there for like 21 plus years. And it was an opportunity for her. She runs her social impact group for her and our kids to, to move up to a new country, to Toronto, to be with me and to support me and, um, you know, for her to be able to work from home. And I think like a lot of people in the world, you know, during the pandemic, you know, everything kind of changed in terms of your job function and how you view what you're doing in life uh, and everything else. And my, my wife's role um, changed at work uh, exponentially in terms of, um, you know, her job fun function and expanding. And that was, it was always kind of a bit of a rub or at least a bit of a challenge for her to, to manage, um, you know, a really massive, um, job function at the same time for me to do that as well. And so, um, you know, there was always kind of that kind of tug and pull. And, and then last year, you know, um, you know, it was, you know, it was, it made sense for her and our kids to, to move back to the New York metropolitan area. So they had moved back in, in the summer and I was kind of commuting, going back and forth between Toronto and, and, and New Jersey and New York. Um, and that was a challenge. And I think like a lot of people, you, you, you start to think about, you know, you know, what am I doing in life? Um, and, you know, your job is a massive part of your life. And I think everyone in this business, they, 
they're passionate about what they do and um, they give everything to it. And so um, it was just really hard for me personally to kind of continue to kind of go back and forth um, and in, in a lot of ways. And we love the Toronto FC is, is just an incredible club that has uh, an ownership group that is, is, is special and, and that city is amazing. Um, and so, um, but it made sense for my family to be back and it made sense in a lot of ways for me to be with them as well, not just commuting, but full time. And so I was really, um, I'd always stay in touch with, with Charles and it was really, um, excited, um, about this potential opportunity because it, it reunited me with my family, but then also there was an incredible opportunity and in front of us, you know, when you talk about how to grow the game of soccer. And um, I've always felt that, like, I always want to be part of something that, you know, when I look back 20 years from now or 15 years from now or whatever it is, I'll be really, um, you know, I'll look back and say, you know, that was something that was special and I was part of something and I grew something. And, and um, that is, 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 is the ultimate for me. And then to, the, if there's anything I've learned, you know, in, in my in my career, it's, you know, be around people that you trust, that you care about, that work hard, that have similar values than, than you. And um, and I and I knew that with Charles, um, you know, coming into the role and, you know, that has um, resonated every single day that that I've worked here, um, you know, since I started. So our listeners will probably be aware of MLS Next Pro, but may not know a lot of detail about it. And so I would ask you guys if you could explain just a few more details of the MLS Next Pro setup. How many teams are there? How many games? How does the season work, the playoffs, the structure? Thanks, Grant. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do the basics, you know, n- you know, nuts and bolts. And then I think Ali um, can take you through the, the strategy around it from a player perspective, given his experience. And it might make sense for Ali to talk to you about when he started at the Red Bulls, one of the first things he did was launch their second team, which didn't, which they didn't have when he when he started there in uh, was it 2015. So um, we have 20, 21 teams this year, 20 MLS affiliated teams, and one independent team. Our first independent team up in Rochester, New York, owned by David and Wendy Dworkin, who own the Rhinos, the Rochester Rhinos, famous for being the, the, the last non-MLS team to win the U.S. Open Cup back in 1999. And their co-owner is Jamie Vardy. Jamie Vardy of Leicester, Jamie Vardy of, you know, starting in the ninth division while he had a job at a factory and working his way up. Who, who could, you know, as, a, as it relates to lower division soccer, who could be a better person to, uh, to embody everything that that this is about and and what he's trying to accomplish and you know we're excited to have him be part of the project so um we while we have 21 teams this year this league is going to grow meaningfully over the next number of years and we'll get to that but i'll talk to you about you know what's happening in 2022 so we've got uh, a 24 game regular season and then we're going to have a playoff where eight teams will qualify four teams from each conference and it'll be a single uh, elimination knockout uh, playoff with the higher host, you know, the higher seed hosting our 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 version, you know, our MLS Next Pro Cup, uh, which uh, will happen in the fall, right before um, the MLS playoffs start, essentially. And um, you know, we're 
we're just getting started. And what's going to be so interesting on a, on a couple of different levels is, one, uh, we're very focused on integrating some international competition into what we're doing. We know how important that is, and Ali will talk talk more about why that is from a player development perspective. Um, and then two, we have more teams coming online uh, in 2023 and beyond. You know, I, I just, just um, to start, we'll have the eight, you know, we'll have eight more MLS team, MLS affiliated teams joining next year. Five of them are playing in the USL this year. Three, three are newer teams, you know, ex expansion teams, Nashville, Austin, and Charlotte, who don't have a second team yet. So they'll launch their second team into MLS Next Pro next year. Um, and then we're in conversations now with several independent teams around the country who may be ready in 2023 or 2024 or 2025, depending on their stadium situations. And we've been spending a lot of time on that front as, as well. Um, but I'll, I'll pass it to Ali to give you a little bit more perspective from, a, from the player side. Yeah, maybe I'll, I'll try to give a little bit of perspective and then also maybe tell a little bit of, of a story. Um, I think that like, um, you know, in life, um, you want a little bit of of clarity and transparency and every job also it's you you sometimes it's really difficult to understand how you can go from a to b to c and so sometimes you know as you grow up you you reach out to different people and you say how did you get to where you are and they tell their story and hopefully you can take a little bit from their story and incorporate that into your life and that helps you grow and it helps you become the best version of yourself and so that clarity that transparency of how to get from a to b is massive and you know when i first joined red bull in late 2014 but my first season was in 2015 you know i think it was in january i sat down with um, tyler adams and his family um you know lyle york's um, who was my agent when I was when I was playing in MLS uh, was also in the room and what I did was I sat down and I had not only a document but I had rehearsed this to say listen this is um, this is what we think you know these are your strengths these are what we can help you with and these are going to be the steps that you're going that you can take to becoming an incredible player and that had to deal with you know where he was going to train when he was going to train, whether that was domestically, was he going to go to Leipzig, was he going to go to Salzburg, um, when we felt that, you know, he would make the leap into Major League Soccer. But we had infrastructure that was in place that provided some transparency and some clarity. Uh, and those things breed confidence and allow you to execute because you have um, clarity in terms of what does it take to get to the next level. And I think that that's really you know, that's really important, especially for young people, um, not just in soccer, but just in life of, of you know, how to, how to get to where they want to they wanna go and how to be the best versions of, of themselves. And so with MLS Next Pro, it's, it's incredible because you have, um, you know, it's an opportunity to, um, we've invested so much and not just Major League Soccer, but so many people within North America have invested so much into the sport and it has grown so much at every level from broadcasting to officiating to players to coaches to fans, but really, and look at the stadiums, but really we've grown and learned in so many different ways, um, which has been, um, which has been incredible. And, and MLS Knicks Pro now um, it has, it's this platform, it's this league where, 
it helps educate and give that clarity and transparency to players and coaches and referees and administrators, but everyone who wants who wants to be literally the best person, the best version of themselves professionally in and, and doing what they want to do um, professionally, um, it gives that opportunity. Um, and I think it's great, and we think it's great. We think it will help evolve the game. Um, you know, we have a vision for what this looks like. Um, we have an idea of what the pillars are that will help achieve it. Um, and um, I, I'm excited. You know, we are um, we're doing really good work and working really hard and, and being part of the whole landscape. Um, but um, we're happy with the, with the league, and, and it'll only get better. And I realize it's just gotten started, right? And yet, from your perspective, where do you want this to be in a couple of years? How are what kind of metrics are you going to use to decide if this is working well? So there's a couple different ways that we're thinking about it. Um, and from a macro perspective, and part of the reason why we launched in 2022 was looking ahead to the World Cup in 2026. It gives us a runway to put a marker down in our own minds. You know, we haven't. We, 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 what we have said to ourselves is, you know, we want to grow this me- league meaningfully over the next number of years. So if, you, if we have, call it, 30 MLS-affiliated teams around the country, can we have 10 or 20 independent teams in addition to that? So 40, 50-team league where you've got great regional rivalries, really efficient travel, but more importantly, you're touching new markets and you're providing opportunities for new players and coaches and staff to break into the game and be part of our, you know, our sport um, and and not have to drive, you know, from a player perspective, not have to drive three, four hours like Tyler Adams used to do to just to get to practice. Um, uh, not have to move your family like many of the players do now because you've got professional environments closer to home or in your home city. Um, and then from a, you know, from a player perspective, so that's, that's how we're thinking about it from a growth perspective. But from a player perspective, we want players competing in the World Cup in 2026 that, you know, started their professional, you know, their professional careers in MLS Next Pro, came up through the academy, signed their first professional contract in MLS Next Pro, whether it's for an MLS-affiliated team or an independent team, then went on, you know, then were signed or sold to an MLS club, and whether they go to Europe or they stay in, in Major League Soccer, and now they're competing for their national team, whether it's the, the U.S. men's national team, the Canadian men's national team, or other national teams. I think that will be a moment for us to really figure out, you know, have we accomplished our, our goals? Because there's no doubt that we're going to have innumerable players competing in Major League Soccer who started their careers in, a, in MLS Next Pro, but I think we're thinking you know, more broadly than that. Um, and, uh, and, and that's where, you know, there a lot of our energy is going to be directed towards. Uh, yeah. And just to supplement a little bit what Charles said, I, I think that like, you know, I, I always try to think big and, and, and as, as big as possible. And I think that we can, um, I believe MLS next pro will, will, will evolve the, the game, not just domestically, but globally. Um, you know, when I was at, at Toronto, we had this slogan, we want to bring the world to its feet. And I think we have that opportunity. And um, the way that you do that is through, you know, we have four pillars um, of player development. You know, how are we um, 
developing our players and our staffs and our coaches and, and uh, in all ways, um, how can we touch different local communities um, that we haven't gotten to from a professional soccer perspective that can support professional soccer? How can we be innovative um, and, and be smart and thoughtful and analytical um, and being able to execute new ideas and new concepts um, within our league that can drive the game, not just, again, not just domestically, um, but abroad. Um, how can we be progressive from a diversity, equity, and inclusion standpoint, uh, and that not be a silo or a bucket, but that influences absolutely everything we do from how we um, engage our clubs, how we create committees and subcommittees, how we, um, uh, and, and everything that we do. And so there's just, a, a tremendous amount of opportunity um, to to really have impact, um, not just and and viewing it not as simply as a soccer league, but as a driver of change and and growth and being progressive, um, and that's really exciting. And I think we have a really good group here, a great leadership team and a good group of folks that are working every single day, every weekend to help achieve that. And um, it's, it's exciting. It's been a lot of hard work thus far. Um, it will continue to be hard work, but it's easy because we, we enjoy it and uh, we enjoy working with each other and, and creating these new ideas. And there's nothing but, uh, but frontier space. So that's exciting. And realizing it's early, what if, how have things been going? I mean, what are some things that right now you're excited about what you're seeing early in this first season? I mean, I, it's I, I I love the 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 penalty kicks from the Mark shootout. So at the end of at the end of the game regular season games, for those that don't know, if it's a tie, it goes to a traditional shootout, not a, a 35 yard like you know five second one on one. But it's a it's a real it's a real it's a it's a, a traditional shootout, and I think it's exciting. Um, uh, you know, even you know soccer is 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 emotional too you know sports are emotional and it's amazing to see even four weeks in this just you know um you can never you know you never know sometimes you know your emotion or your facial expression or whatever it is on the field or off the field sometimes doesn't tell the true picture but you know over the last four weeks we've been able to see some of those shootouts and it's been amazing i know the players um, uh, really are engaged in it and it's something that we also from a player development standpoint we said listen you know it's not you know it's it's dipping our toe in the um, our pillar of innovation. It's not something that, that nobody's ever thought of in terms of having a shootout decide, you know, the, the winner of a match. Um, but it's different, you know, and that's something that's important. And we have a strong base of where we are now and we'll continue to be progressive in that space. And so today it's, it's penalty kicks from the mark. Tomorrow will be something different. Um, but that's been exciting. It's been a real, I think, um, lightning rod of just joy in terms of what's happened over the last four, four and a half weeks. Um, I, you know, someone asked me a question maybe about a month ago, how's it going? And I'm like, man, it feels like preseason. Like I love soccer, but like in preseason, you do a lot of running. <laughs> and, and, and so, and that's what it was like. Cause you're just really trying to, trying to staff up, build up all these things. We'll, you know, I, you know, we'll make some mistakes, but we'll learn from those mistakes and we'll course correct and go from there. Um, but it's been exciting. It's been nothing but good work, I think. And, um, you know, we're building something special. 
um, and it will have impact in uh, a really profound way. Uh, I truly believe that. You know, I was talking to my son the other day because he was practicing in the backyard um, uh, um, soccer, and I guess he didn't get as many juggles as he as he thought he should get. And he's like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not any good today. And, and I said, Listen, man, you have to believe in yourself. I said, I'm, I, I tore my Achilles tendon six, six weeks ago. I had surgery. I'm on the road to recovery. I know I will be, be the person and the player that I was before my surgery. I'll recover. I know it takes time, but I know I'll be um, pre-injury. I know I'll get back to that form. But you just have to have that belief, and it's a process. And so every single day you get better to where you're supposed to be, where you know you will be. Um, and I think that's the case with, with MLS Next Pro. We've got a great, confident group. Um, uh, we believe in each other. We believe in ourselves, and we're on to something special here. We will, uh, we re- we will. I, I won't want to say. Been, <laughs> I don't want to say change the game or transform the game, but we will evolve it, and we will have impact in all ways. Um, there are tremendous leaders here. Uh, there's leaders of tomorrow. When you look at our coaches that uh, coach in this league, you look at, look at this league office staff. It's amazing. Um, and so, you know, that work's been great, you know, and, and then there's been some things that we just need to change. We need to, or we need to improve upon. We've, we've made some mistakes here and there, you know, along the margins and we'll get better, you know, whether that's how we're operating a game or this, that, and the other, but those things are, are, are correctable and, and fixable and those types of things. But it's been a lot of fun in that respect. You know, you never know what it's going to be like until, you know, they roll the ball out on March 25th and St. Louis is, is, is going up against Rochester. Um, but it was a good match, and it was competitive, and you know, um, things worked out well, and they'll continue, and we'll we'll continue working. But I've been excited about the penalty kicks. I don't know if you you, you know. Charles. Yeah, yeah. Look beyond 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 the innovations on the field, just getting to uh, see the fans out there engaging with their teams. It really matters. You know, these games um, matter. And we were in St. Louis for the home opener. We've been to other games for their for more than their home opener. It was their first ever game for St. Louis City SC2. We're going to be in Rochester this weekend for their first ever uh, regular season home game in MLS Next Pro. And there's going to be a lot of energy around that. And, and it's just the beginning, you know. And so to get to see the fans um, excited, energized, interacting with their players you know the stadiums are smaller so the fans are closer and when the when the when the goals are scored the players can run you know putting COVID aside can run into the arms of their of their adoring fans and it's great to see and uh, I think we're going to see a lot more of that this year and in the years to come. I know the the first game had some some media might behind it like some good people involved in the broadcast are we going to see like any nationally televised games later this year or in the playoffs or, or how are people able to watch all this? So everything, every game this year will be streamed on MLSNextPro.com and we've got a game of the week uh, that's an enhanced broadcast so once, once a weekend we'll have that game of the week which will be closer to what you saw in, um, in St. Louis on opening weekend and you know Grant from a kind of strategic perspective what, what's happened f- for us from a broadcast media perspective is we didn't want to get ahead of the MLS enterprise wide media deal because um, MLS Next Pro could end up being part of that package and so what we did this year is g- gave ourselves maximum flexibility to be part of any um, 
any uh, relationship that is going to launch in 2023, but at the same time, try some things. So we're centrally producing every game. We have a, a technology partner in Speedio that is using um, artificial intelligence cameras to broadcast most of our games. And there have been some kinks, you know, that we've had to work out. Certainly, it's not been perfect, but it's been a really good process, and we've learned a lot from it. It's really interesting technology, um, and and we've you know every uh, we we're 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 using this opportunity to. Um, to try some new broadcasters. And we have some former players that are training up or current players who are training up who want to be part of what we're doing so that they can try to get into the broadcast game. So we're doing a lot with this year, you know, call it this interim year before we roll into whatever the, the plan is for 2023. Um, and uh, and so for any anybody who wants to watch, MLSNextPro.com is your, is your go-to. Okay. And I, I feel like I should ask this, are... MLS teams required to have a, a member in this league? Are there any that are not going to be involved when it increases next year? So the only, uh, there, it's not required that you have a second team. Uh, and the only team at this point that doesn't have a, a plan for that yet is Montreal. But uh, we've been talking to them and, you know, they're thinking through their plans. They went through a leadership transition uh, end of last year, early this year. So they're just working through that um, and how that's going to look for them. But every other team at this point will have a second team. And starting in 2023, they will be playing in MLS Next Pro. Okay. And it's funny because I was imagining one of you watching a, a World Cup game in 26 that the U.S. is in and it goes to penalties and some guy from MLS Next Pro, yeah, who's been through this a fair amount more than other players have, might have an opportunity, which would be an interesting one. But did you, did you take... Did you think about the 35-yard thing as a possibility? Because every time video comes out on Twitter, like there was one last week with Jesse Marsh from like the 90s in a Chicago fire shootout from 35 yards, and, and people are like, I can't believe MLS used to do that. That's kind of awesome. Johan Cruyff actually used to like that in the old NASL. Is there any chance you might go to that later? We try to think of everything. So, you know, we, it was, it, you know, we had a little bit of conversation in, in the meeting room about it. Um, you know, I think that it's, it's interesting because we want, we want to be innovative. And, you know, like a lot of sports, it's finding that balance between authenticity and then trying kind of new ideas and and so um but you know we we talked about it for for a hot second um and when you read about everything you're like you know some people love it and then some people we have jeff agos who you know he used to little flip the ball up and then you know it was kind of bouncing and then the keeper comes out and does he you know does he chip them does he hit it around them so we had those conversations um but ultimately i think you know we're, we're trying to focus um, focus on ourselves and, 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 and doing the right thing and making, um, making good decisions. And we were really excited about having um, this being a feature of the league. And, you know, you do understand what's happening in the World Cup and what's happening in Champions League. And, you know, penalty shots are, they're tough to really train for. You know, it's one of those unique, you know, areas of the game where you really get good at it just through reps in the game, you know, and um, and that's not easy unless you're actually, you don't, unless you get those opportunities. And so, you know, everyone takes PKs, you know, on the training ground 
Um, but you never know what it's like when, whether you have 30,000 people looking at you, whether you have five, when you're at the spot and it's you and the lights are on, then that's where you actually are able to manage the sweat that's coming, you know, off your head and how to focus in and execute and, and score. And you don't know what it's like until you actually get into that situation and it's easier to watch and critique and all those other things. But um, it was a part of it. You know, hopefully this will be a real help or a contributor to, you know, um, you know, some of our players that are, you know, competing with the Canadian national men's national team and, and also the U.S. team. So, um, you know, like we said, there, I think there's elements of innovation, but then also elements of, of player development that contributed to our wanting to implement this within the league. And hopefully, um, you know, as we look at more rules and new rules, there'll be more stuff, which we're excited about. Um, created an innovation committee the, last week, and hopefully we'll be meeting, you know, later on this month and so on and so forth so that we can help to bring new ideas and new concepts to the game. And it's, and it's interesting, you know, there was also, um, I read something the other day, you know, um, in my lifetime, um, the the main rule change was the back pass, you know, which I think came about around in, in 92 and um, off the heels of the 1990 World Cup where people thought, hey, it's it's boring. But I remember, you know, when I was a kid, every the coach would tell us anytime you get in trouble, just pass it back to the goalkeeper, pick it up. And then I remember vividly that changing where you, they said, hey, you can't you can't do that anymore. And that was transformative it was amazing and and good for the game and at the time you know i think that there are, you have so many purists and we're you know or naysayers that say you know anytime there's change um but this was a good change and sometimes there'll be changes that maybe you know we've got to modify a little bit the other change i think i read about was going from if you win a game going from two points to three points massive change right. massive um, and so when I think about those types of tweaks that, that or changes or however you want to coin them that make sense for the modern game or how the game is evolving, um, we, we need to not only be part of that conversation, but we can drive it. Um, you know, we can drive it from this office. We can drive it at our clubs. Um, we can really be part of the conversation and driving it domestically and abroad. And that's really exciting. How much leeway do you have, though? Because, like, is IFAB in, in the laws of the game, does that apply to your league? Or do you have more freedom to introduce new things? Because... It could be any number of things, right? I mean, like there's a, a a movement out there right now to have to actually go back to another MLS original, the countdown clock. Even I've seen this around Europe. Um, it was really interesting. There is a a graphic on ESPN FC last week about actual ball in play time of different Champions League games, and I was surprised to see as little as 48 minutes and as high as 68. Um, of actual ball and play time, but do you have, would you have theoretically the leeway for that? I, I think that like, if there's, if there's anything that the last three years have taught us through this pandemic is that we are all connected and that every um, movement, every idea, um, every experience is connected to the next and so on and so forth. And so, you know, we exist um, and operate, you know, amongst our, we have peers and, and, and you know, amongst us, uh, an entire ecosystem of governing bodies, sporting bodies, um, and we're all connected. And um, I think that that's a strength and, and not a weakness. Um, you know, I think anytime you make a decision, 
Um, you try to do that in, in all different areas of life. You try to do that with input and with communication and conversation about what works well, what doesn't, experience, um, and, and we'll do that. Um, and we'll, you know, that's, that's, that's our process, that's how, we, that's how we work, that's how we operate. We look at not just um, what's working well within, um, within the sport of soccer, but what works well in, in other sports. Um, you know, you think about whether that's different rule changes in, in baseball. You know, I think I read an article on the train this morning about what the USFL is, is, is doing and some of the different technology um, changes that they're trying to implement within their league. Um, all those things are really great learnings. Um, but, you know, we're, we're a partner and we're part of this fabric of the game, whether that's football or whether that's soccer. It's all, you know, we're all kicking, kicking the same ball. In terms of... A particular player, I find it interesting that the name that has emerged, or one of the names in the first few weeks here, is Romeo Beckham, uh, assist leader currently in the league with Inter Miami's second team. Also got a red card, so he's been active. <laughs> um, have you talked to David Beckham at all about his son, or what do you know about the kid? I have not have not spoke. We have not spoken to David about him, um, but you know we've spent a lot of time with Inter Miami with Chris Henderson, who's doing a great job there, and uh, and they they're putting a lot of energy and resource into their MLS Next Pro team, and um, and you know to watch Romeo, uh, you know get some recognition for what he's doing on the field is great. And, uh, and, you know, this is what this is all about is to give players like him an opportunity to prove their worth. And, and if, uh, if his coaching staff, uh, you know, my, my assumption is if he keeps doing what he's doing, he's going to get some chances on the first team. But um, it's, uh, it's been fun to watch him and fun to watch a bunch of the other young players who are, you know, scoring goals and doing you know, exciting things on the field. I mean, what's happened over the last four weeks, you know, the energy, just the energy and the intensity of the games and some of the goals that are being scored is, is uh, inspiring, you know, because there is a lot of exciting young players out there who are, you know, starting to make their mark and, and, and we're, these are going to become household names over the next couple of weeks, months, and years. And, and, uh, and providing that platform for them is really, is really uh, special. So Romeo is just one part of this puzzle, you know, that we're putting together, but, uh, but, uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully he, um, works through his, his, uh, red card issue and then, uh, gets back on the field and gets going with his assists, you know, quickly here. And you mentioned earlier, Ali, DEI initiatives, wanting this to be a pillar of the league and not just sort of something off to the side. And what are you looking for in the next couple of years in terms of coaches, executives, not just players, but like people from those positions to get opportunities with MLS first teams, if they're coaches or higher executive positions at clubs. So, um, you know, I, I became the, the chief soccer officer um, for the Red Bulls in late 2014. It was in December. And I was the first African-American in major league soccer in that role. And, and when you think, when I think about that, I mean, it's just, it blows my mind. You know, I just had a birthday a couple months ago and I'm 43 years old. And that to me is just, it's, um, it's amazing. And, 
Um, you know, I, I really think that, and it's personal. Um, you know, it's it's difficult to talk about as, as well publicly. You know, I think that, um, you know, when I was, um, you know, I remember when the pandemic first hit and um, you have, we were on Zooms and, you know, a lot of times I think you're just kind of reminded you're not, you, you, you don't, you just, it's something you've, you've kind of grown up um, being comfortable walking into a room where you, um, you look different than, than most of the other folks that are in the room. And then for me, when the pandemic hit, it was, I was on all these different Zooms and I was literally confronted with this reality that I was the only black guy on in the little square, you know, and it was just a really difficult reality check again for me in during that that period of time. And, and it's something that I don't want to ever see again. And, you know, I've been on different committees and subcommittees and things that sometimes, you know, there's never been like a woman at the table with a voice as well. Like, how does that happen? You know, and um, we owe it to um, those folks. We owe it to ourselves to to be better in all ways. And um, you know, we have a we have a good staff here that is committed to that. Um, and like I said before, you know, in terms of being part of something such that 15, 20, 25 years, whatever it is, when you look back, you're proud of, 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 of what's been built or what you've been part of. Um, that's a massive part of it. And so we have an opportunity that we will seize um, in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, I'm proud of the initial steps that have been taken. You know, a lot of it has been just uh, conversations and ideas and thoughts, at least from an MLS Next Pro perspective. You know, Shola Winley, who's the, you know, head of DE&I at MLS, has been, you know, nothing but nothing but great um, as a resource and a sounding board and everything else for us. Um, but we've been really busy just trying to get this league off the ground, and now it's really exciting because I think as there's daylight where we will be able to create programs and 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 and, and do different things where we're, we're going to help drive this. And even when you look at the number of coaches and things like that, that um, where there's diversity, where we don't have a policy in place, um, you know, the the teams have responded in a really profound way. I'm I'm really proud of. Of, of our of our teams in MLS Next Pro and the ones that will come uh, next year and so on and so forth. Already some of them are, are asking about, hey, how can we be um, more inclusive and how can we think about things in a different way? So um, it's, it's going to be great. I mean, uh, you know, I, I wanted to mention this before. You know, one of the highlights for me of, 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 of the game that we had against Rochester and St. Louis on March 25th when we launched the league was uh, there was two. There was two young men on on St. Louis, and they 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 had the last name was Armstrong, and Desmond Armstrong um, happened to be at the game because those were his two sons. And for me, as a black guy that grew up playing soccer, that that guy played at the national team, it was it was incredible, and it was an honor and a very memorable moment that I will cherish in my life to be able to shake his hand and have I had a five to ten minute conversation with him and that was incredible and so you know how can we be more present and active so that we can 
have role models and have people achieve, achieve certain things in their life and get to certain levels and have its levels of influence. And, you know, when, when people, you know, young men and women are looking in the mirror, they see someone that, um, you know, is reflective of the role that they, that they would love to have or what they're doing. And so, um, I'm, I'm excited and encouraged and we're just getting started. Uh, but, um, really, uh, yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. Charles, I want to ask you about this too. And, I'm thinking a little bit of sort of my history. I remember talking to Thierry Henry about this. Lillian Turam and I did a, an event at New York University a few years ago. And even then, Turam, obviously, like Henri, a World Cup winner with France, has devoted his post-playing career to, um, to racism in soccer globally and is really profound in what he says. But one of the things he's always said to me in these events is, you media guys need to ask white folks, players, owners, et cetera, about this and not just black players. And so I guess I would, I would ask you, where do you think MLS owners are right now on a commitment to, to real change happening? whether it's coaches, executives, op- real opportunities. And, well, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, so I, I appreciate you giving me, giving me the opportunity to uh, give you my, my perspective. Um, You're white, by the way, and I'm white. Just, I, I yeah, thought, yeah, I am definitely white. Um, and, uh, and the work, you know, uh, Ali mentioned Shola Winley, the work that's being done at the MLS level, but it's not just MLS, it's MLS, it's MLS Next, and it will be MLS Next Pro as well on the diversity policy that's been implemented for MLS and MLS Next starting for the 2022 season is all around creating those opportunities in a codified way about who gets interviewed, who gets, you know, get, who is part of the process for these jobs. Um, and, and for now, it's about uh, the jobs on the sporting side. But at, over time, it will evolve to all, all opportunities, whether it's sporting or business. And so to answer your question directly around, you know, what is my perception of where MLS owners are, where MLS executives are, I think they're all in. You know, from everything I've seen, from all of the work that I've seen, I haven't been part of the committee work um, that's being done, that's being led by Shola and Arthur Blank and Dee Haslam and others, and Marty, you know, and Marty Edelman and, and others, but um, I, I've, I've seen what's come out of it, and, um, and it's tangible, and it's real. And it's going to make a difference. Um, and in MLS Next Pro, you know, one of our pillars is diversity, equity, inclusion. And so far, I think it's around 40% of the head coaches in our league are black. Um, and that's just the start. You know, that's just the start. Um, but uh, when you when you get you know to the next level of assistant coaches and other folks on the on the technical staff, there it's it's a very diverse group of 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 sporting people. And that's 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 good. That's what we want. And that's part of what this league is about, is providing those opportunities and creating um, creating those openings for those who want to break into the game who are from underrepresented groups. Per, some, you know, for me personally, it's, it, you know, soccer, um, soccer, I grew up in a, in a white suburban neighborhood, um, and soccer was uh, uh, a way for me to, as a, as a young person, 
to um, meet meet people that were not from the same background as me, play with them, compete with them, be teammates with them, travel the world with them, travel abroad. Um, and if it weren't for soccer, I don't think I'd have the perspective uh, that I have today. Um, and I don't think I'd have the friends that I have today, whether it's uh, guys that I grew up with uh, in high school or guys that I played soccer with in college. Um, and so I'm very grateful for the fact that soccer is the global game and it brings together um, people from all walks of life, from all different backgrounds, from all different countries, etc. And I think we have a tremendous opportunity, a tremendous platform um, to uh, affect change and to create positive momentum. Um, and I want to be a part of it. Uh, and I want to be a champion of, of, of the initiative, initiatives. Um, and uh, it's very important to me. So, um, you know, it's going to be something that we focus on every day. And with every hire that we make, it's something that we, we think about uh, because um, we have had the opportunity to build a small group of, you know, a, a small number of people here in, in, in our, uh, you know, in our MLS Next Pro League office. And we have focused on being, being sure that that group is diverse. Um, and we're proud of the fact that it is so far. But it's just the start, you know, and, and that, that mindset needs to permeate down or across to everything we're doing with our teams. And it's not just staff. It's also um, at the ownership level. And we have uh, groups that we're talking to uh, that are focused on that as well, about being inclusive uh, and, in, and including folks from different backgrounds in the ownership group. And we're excited about that. Uh, possibility, and we're excited about some of the discussions that we're having uh, from that perspective. So it's all encompassing, but I appreciate you giving me uh, the chance to, to talk about it. I, I just want to add one more thing that I don't think I, I it slipped my mind, and, and Charles, um, you know, I, I think that also when we think, you know, we, we have these conversations about uh, the World Cup and, um, you know, our national teams, um, you know, mainly talking about Canada and the U.S. I think that if we are going to be, I think our opportunity here in North America is incredible and different than, um, you know, really any country. And, you know, when the size of our country, the number of people that play the game and the diversity, and I think if we do this right, you know, it, it, it can be incredible. It will be incredible if we really incorporate, you know, and and our um, DE and I in everything that we do, on the field and off the field. Um, we're going to have the best league, you know. We're going to have the best national teams. Um, it's already happening, you know. Um, and you know, like I said, it's it's amazing to me that I was the first African American GM in, in 2014. But you know, I was, and, and then I was also listening to the news the other day, and they were talking about something completely different. But there, one of the comments that the person made was that through, you know, all of the shortcomings and deficits, we are still in a much more advanced position now than where we were 25, 30 years ago. And I believe that. And also when I think about the Desmond Armstrongs of the world, he was on the national team and it was only him and maybe one or two other guys, you know, Kobe and maybe someone else, you know, back in, in, in 1990. And then now when you look at the national team, you know, that Zoom picture is much more diverse. It's much different. Um, and I think that there's an opportunity to be even more diverse, not just in, you know, your skin color, but your socioeconomic background. 
in terms of what that looks like and where you're from and those types of things, there's still um, a lot of runway and so and a lot of opportunities. So it's exciting for what um, soccer will be and what it can be. Uh, and I'm long on it, you know, um, and, and in terms of soccer in the U.S. and Canada. Um, we really have an opportunity. And, um, yeah, so that's exciting. One thing I want to ask you, Charles, real quick is we have seen women in other professional sports in the United States be part of coaching staffs, be candidates for head jobs. Um, so I'm, I'm talking more about, like, on the field itself, obviously there's more and more women now who are executives with MLS teams, but how is that going from your perspective in your league, which to me seems like would be a great place for more women to be entering the the coaching, assistant coaching, potentially head coaching positions? Yeah, look, it's that's the next phase for us. It's... Um Nothing would be better to have a, um, you know, a, a, a woman as the head coach of an MLS Next Pro team or as the GM of an MLS Next Pro team. We don't have it yet, um, but it's something that we're going to be focusing on going forward as it relates to creating opportunities for whether it's uh, folks from underrepresented groups or women or whoever else um, to be part of our project. And... Um, and you know, as Ali had mentioned earlier, we it was it was a sprint for us just to get this thing launched, and now we're going to have the opportunity to not only work out the kinks and think about the future and whatever else, but start to focus on these important aspects of what we're doing um, in a real tangible way, and and being sure that we're creating those opportunities and setting up the right structure uh, and the right constructs for that to be possible is going to be a part of our work going forward. Charles Altchek and Ollie Curtis of MLS Next Pro, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Grant. Thank you.